0: forgiveness of sins really leads to a growing freedom
1: from sin. Hello everyone, welcome to the Sunday recap. This is Chris McLaughlin and with me is Go ahead and introduce yourself, you guys. Introduce yourselves.
2: Oh, no we have to like fight who goes nope, first. No, just
1: do it. Go. Okay, ladies yes.
2: first. Ariel
0: Eldridge. <laughs> Mitch Green. Hailing from <laughs> Oh, my. Can we
2: start that over? That's a blah. Nope, it's,
0: in. it's, it's here. No, no, to stay. It's so here. <laughs> hey, it's so great that you
1: guys joined us today. Thanks for listening. Um, we're going to be digging into Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 11 today, based off of uh, Pastor Scott's sermon called Free at Last. Uh, this is the first the first uh, sermon in this series. And, uh, Man, it was this was chock full of theology. Chock full. <laughs> yeah. So much. So, so, it, so much. there's a lot to talk about with uh with this. So I'm excited to get into it. Now the title for this one was really being free from <laughs> fear was what he was talking about. So this is how I want to start today, you guys. Um when you were a kid, what were you most afraid of? And 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 just just so that um I'm not saying like, I'm going to ask a question and then not actually answer it myself. I'll go ahead and go first. I'll start the, start this off. Okay. So here's, here's my biggest fear as a kid. And I'll be honest with you. I sometimes late at night, it still gets to my brain a little bit. So this is, this is it. Um, (laughs) This is it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So when I was about eight years old, uh, I was over at my grandma's house and we, on the, on TV in the background while we were doing other things was this movie called Communion. If it was uh, with Christopher Walken, okay. If you've oh ever seen this movie, you already got if me. you've ever seen this movie, <laughs> if you watch it now, it is laughable. I mean, it is the most ridiculous. Like the costumes, the it, it, it's a, basically it's like an alien abduction movie, is what it is. Um, but the costumes are so ridiculous. It was so weird. But when I was eight, in my eight year old mind it was the scariest thing and so there's this scene where this alien is one of those short little gray aliens with the big heads and the big eyes and all that stuff and there's this little scene where you see his eye like like these long spidery fingers come around the corner of a door jam and you see his eye kind of like poke around the door anyway that that vision (laughs) in my mind has freaked me out for years for years like anyway that's uh my deep deep dark fear Uh. Yep. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that
2: with us. Chris.
0: Do you do you remember any Christopher Walken lines from no. the movie? Because uh. I would love to, I would love to hear your Christopher Walken impression <laughs> yeah. for, yes, for whatever movie do. this was. You know, oh, the Great Two the great
1: <laughs> Bruce Dickinson.
0: It's <laughs> yeah. not from that. <laughs> there one. you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I don't know how to top that but I've got to coincide with it because mine's okay. a movie too and it's um from 1986 so I was um I, I won't tell you how it <laughs> um but it was on the the Sunday Night Disney movies and it's called Mr. Boogity. Oh Buggity. yeah. And okay so the sad part is now it's it's playing it's streaming It's on Disney on Plus. Disney yes. Plus. I saw it on there. Yeah. And I can't watch it.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I remember how afraid I am of that movie. And, and you know, like like you, I'd lay there at night and just be sure that this glowing green, like, possessed thing was going to come out. And, um, yeah, I saw that was on Disney Plus after we'd already subscribed. And I was like, I can't. I can't go back <laughs> That's and <okay>. watch that. <laughs> yes.
0: I, I, can't, I can't think of anything, like... Just that really stood out. The first thing I thought of when you asked this question was um, the apple scene from Snow White. Okay, I remember. I remember like not being able to watch it, and I actually even recently it was like on the TV, and I was sitting there with JC or some, I don't even friend or somebody, and I was like looking at it, and I was just like, look at how awful this scene is. (laughs) Like this is so scary, (laughs) you know. So that was the one, and then I had a reoccurring dream um, that really. It was a really weird dream. So I'd be swimming in a lake by myself, and my grandma was up on the shore, like reading a magazine, and then one of those Power Ranger Zords, is that what they call them, Zords? Oh, yeah. Would try to attack me while I was in the water. So it was like an evil Power Ranger Zord. And every time, my grandma would like throw her magazine down, jump in the water, pick the thing up, spin it around, and then like throw it out of the water... And yes. I was good to go. But it was a very scary dream. And it happened. That's often. awesome.
2: There's some high symbolism yeah. going on <laughs> Those in that two, dream. Yeah, I, don't, uh, I,
0: I still don't know the meaning of that dream. But definitely. It also makes you
2: wonder how all these TV shows and movies have gotten like. I know.
1: I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. For
2: young children. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Why do we let our kids watch stuff like this? What is happening? Yeah. Oh
2: my. Well, gosh. so
1: fear kind of became the basis for the two traps that that Scott talked about. The two traps that we often fall into as Christians. He talked about the idea of the performance trap and the image management trap. Right. Those were the like the two big traps. And and I, I want to just kind of. Uh, unpack this idea of, of how does fear actually lead us to this, to these two traps? So what what do you guys think? How, how does fear actually bring us to this idea of that performance trap? What is the performance trap and how does fear play into it?
0: Yeah, I I think, I think the performance trap again is, you know, trying to live up, um, either to expectations that we've set Mm. for ourselves, um, or expectations that have been given to us by others. Um, but it's this, and and then it's this idea that we have to do it all on our own, um, so that we have this tendency to feel like we, um, yeah, we can do it. We need to do it. It's on us. Um, and if we're not performing, it ultimately falls back on us. And that's just so much weight and so much pressure that, you know, I don't think any, any of us can manage. (laughs) I think that's what I felt like when I was listening to him preach, I mean, The whole time, I, you know, like you, you, you're listening, and you're like, yes, like yes, that's me. Yes, I, I struggle with that. Yes, I struggle with that. Yep, that's me. And I think, and I thought when he started, he was gonna go through like a list of traps, Mm -hmm. you know, and then he starts the second one, which I know we'll talk about a moment. And I'm like, yes, that's me too. Yes, that's (laughs) me too. Yes, it's like this is this is all of us. So. Yeah, and in our in our watch party, I actually even had people like I just said like, "Hey, put your hand in the air if it's you." And I put one of these gifts where it was like an assembly line of just hands because <laughs> <laughs> it's like this it is was, all it totally of us. Is. you know, it was it was one of those moments where it's like you know you feel like the preacher could say, "Hey, everybody!" Put, and then everybody's hand should go in the air, or they're being yeah. dishonest. <laughs> let me <laughs> you know? let
1: me say this. So. I mean, just from a guy's perspective, and Ariel, I would love to hear how this plays into a woman's perspective on this as well. I know from a man from a man's perspective, one of the biggest questions that we wrestle with all the time is: Are we enough? Are we good enough? Uh, do I have what it takes? to do the job I'm being asked to do, to, to, to be the dad I'm supposed to be, to be the husband I'm supposed to be. And that's the constant pressure of, of just asking ourselves that all the time. So w- one of the things that I think that we see in, in this idea of the performance trap is that constant pressure that we have put on ourselves over and over and over again, day after day, of just, man, am I enough? Am I enough? And how can I be enough? How can I work harder to, to make sure that I am enough to show other people that I am enough to prove it to myself and to the world? And I, I think we fall into that so often. Um, I, am I'm really curious though, Ariel, how, how does that, how might that play into like the performance trap play into a, a, a woman's perspective?
2: Well, shocker! It's <laughs> exactly the same. <laughs> it's exactly the same because whether you're a working woman or you're a woman who stays at home or you do both, um, we're always asking that question: Am I enough? Am I a good enough mom? Are my kids going to turn out okay because of me? Um, you know. And then we, I mean, out of that, a whole jewelry line has been launched of "I am um, enough." You yeah. know, if you say it enough times, then you'll believe that I am enough that um you know I'm I'm strong, yeah. I'm a warrior. Um and it and that has to come out of that fear, right? That that worry that Absolutely. we aren't enough. Um yeah. But there's a truth about that that is not being worn on a bracelet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: totally. Totally. I think this even plays into into our own idea of salvation as well. I mean there's there's a belief out there that mm. Um, you know maybe maybe we we might be saved by grace um, but we have to work really hard to keep ourselves in god's good graces you know i, I think sometimes we we mm-hmm. fall into that trap of thinking we just got to make sure we're we're doing it right we're we're living rightly all the time and if we don't what if we fall out of god's grace what if what if god doesn't accept us anymore and things like that um what do you guys what do you guys think yeah, of absolutely. that like how do we how how would we respond to someone who's who's struggling with that?
0: Man, I will try to be very yeah. brief on this, but it will be very hard for me. Um, you know, Chris, whenever I think about that, I think about what um, conversations around sexuality looked like when I was a student in yeah. a youth group. Um, you know, I think a lot about... And there were a lot of really good things out of this movement, but it's kind of been defined as like the purity culture movement, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And so there was this... Um, there were these things that were promised to people if they lived rightly. So it was like, if you, you know, didn't have sex before marriage, if you didn't mess around, if you didn't kiss girls, like you were promised this marriage, you know, that was going to be just the best thing you could ever have. Um, you're going to be promised this incredible sex life. And, and, and all of these things were promised based off of this idea of you living rightly. Like it was a one-to-one mm-hmm kind of correlation, and, you know, and so what what it did was it created this fear in everybody that, you know, if you did mess up, you know, and this is not to say, like, God's, God's design for sexuality is very clear, you know, that's what the movement had right, but it was this idea that if you did mess up, you were doomed for the rest of your life, and then I've even heard from, like, the female perspective, it's like, if you messed up and say it wasn't even your fault, you know, say that you messed up and maybe you were, you know, raped, as awful as that is or something, that now it's like you were secondhand goods. And so there was this even in our thinking about something that's good, you know, trying to honor God with our sexuality. we we morphed it to this place where it was all about living rightly. And I remember as a teenager, um, this pressure that my my faith, my my relationship with God was so defined by right living like it wasn't like it was like the bible is my way to know how to live rightly like that was like almost a one to one i mean you've heard like mm-hmm. it's a life book it's all it's all those things and that's not to say there's not wisdom in the bible for you but it was like no 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 like i follow these things because if i do these things then i'm going to have the life that i want because that's what god mm-hmm. promises based off of this in scripture which is like actually not, (laughs) not what scripture says. And so like, I guess, I guess to really answer your question, when you're saying, you know, what do you say to somebody that's struggling with the performance trap? It's to be reminded of the grace that God's given to you, you know, that not, not to abuse his grace, which again, we've talked about this even the past couple weeks, but to say, it's to be reminded that there is grace for you in your mistakes. Um, It's to be reminded that Christ ultimately you know, Christ did all the work. You know, yeah. and so, so we, we we're trusting in God. We're thankful to God for that. We're not, you know, we're not looking, you know, to ourselves and saying, "Okay, now we got to live up to what God did because we got to pay Him back." We just know that we can't. So we live out of a place of gratefulness. And so, I I don't know if that oh, really captures yeah. it, but but for for me, that was the that was that stage of my life in my faith was defined by trying to live rightly because I needed to live up to the expectations that God had set for me Um, rather than living rightly because God knew what was best. You know,
1: one of the things that I think we we miss sometimes is is the idea that um, that Jesus, you know, the performance trap, it it becomes this thing where we, we forget that Jesus is the one that performed for us. And that was, that was Scott's point when he talked about that. And, and, just from a theological Mm -hmm. perspective, Jesus performed for us in two ways. Uh, Number one is his active righteousness. So in other words, throughout his life, he actually did everything perfectly. He followed the law completely, obeyed it perfectly, did everything right. Um, And because of that active righteousness, um, then he actually earns uh, and merits salvation. Okay. He, he, He merits it himself. There's also a, uh, what we call a passive righteousness. So there's active righteousness and passive righteousness. So the passive righteous side is where he surrendered to be crucified on the cross, and that passive righteousness is surrendering not necessarily to people, but surrendering to the will of God that he would that he would go and die on the cross. And those two things then end up being the performance, the merit that we inherit as Christians, like we, we get all of that righteousness. And so when God looks at us, he's seeing Christ. He's seeing that both that active and passive righteousness. And so we're not justified by, so let me me put it this way. It's a little bit of a nuanced little thing. So it's like, we are justified by works, but it's not our works. (laughs) We're justified by the works of Christ.
0: Yeah, I I really love. I really liked the um, example that Scott gave in his sermon where he's talking about like paying a bill, you know, and he's like, Mm -hmm. if his wife, like, you know, if he's the one that used all the electricity in the home for a month, and then his wife pays the electrical bill, you know, nobody can come to his door and say, well, Scott, you were responsible. Now you need to pay for the electrical bill. (laughs) Like, it's like the bill's been paid, you know, and I don't know, for me, I was like, I was like, that's a really good, you know, just picture of. You know, yeah like someone else has paid the price for you and so I think it really goes into Scott's first point it's like so now we stand in a place of no condemnation yes. so mm-hmm. like if if our if the way that you reflect upon yourself daily when you wake up is condemning yourself for the way that you're living or your actions it's like you're not living in light of what's been placed upon mm-hmm. you by Christ and so there's this there's this reminder that we need to you know again just to the person that's constantly struggling with the performance trap, It's like, how hard are you on yourself every day? (laughs) You know, how, like, how, where, like, what are you saying to yourself over and over again? Are you just like, think you're not doing enough, think you're not doing enough? Because you need to remind yourself of the promise in Scripture, you know, in the passage we looked at, that sitting before Christ, like, like, there's no condemnation for you, you know? And so you need to live out of what God's done, knowing that God's completed it for you. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know. It's, I, I mean, for me, I was like, yeah, that was a, that was a spot on. Yeah. The whole time I'm like my hands
1: in the air and I'm in the room <laughs> <Yeah>. by myself,
0: <laughs> yeah. you know, it was so good.
1: What about the image management trap? So let's define that one. What, 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 do you, what does that look like? Actually, Ariel, maybe let me ask from like, a um uh, again, from, from like a woman's perspective, what are some of the image management things that we see women try to women doing pretty often um i mean i think we see it on social media and not to say that guys don't do this too uh, because guys certainly do Mm -hmm. Uh, but but i i know that that this is also a a struggle for for women um just putting on that front for people you know um what does that look like and Mm -hmm. how does fear play into that
2: um well i think that if we were to pull women and ask what, you know, what their greatest image fear was, it would have to do with, with their family and with themselves of being strong, you know, just appearing that everything is okay and that, um, Mm -hmm. they don't have a need. Um, and, you know, serving in, um, in our mom's crossing ministry for so many years, it was so interesting to watch women go from that front of I'm okay. I don't need anything to finally giving in and saying, okay, I actually could use some help. And then, um, one of the ways that women would love on each other is they would, they would take meals to each other. Um, especially if someone had just had a baby and that's one of the, one of the greatest ways they love to serve each other. Um, and you'd watch these women accept help and then they are like the first person to offer help and, Mm -hmm. and like really get, to brass tacks with other women and say, Hey, I know you're tired. Can I bring you a meal? Uh, because they realized just how life giving and it is on both sides to finally admit that you're not enough. Um, and that your image doesn't matter that much as much as the, um, the grace of God in other people. Um, and the, just, uh, serving oh, the church absolutely. and serving each other.
1: I think, um, one of the things about this that stuck out to me was I recently had a lunch conversation with a guy, who basically he, he took me to lunch. This was before the lockdown, of course. But uh, he took me to lunch, and basically what he wanted to do is he wanted to tell me a story, and this was this was so mm-hmm. refreshing in so many ways because his story was full of his own sin and God's grace, and and and, and so in this conversation yeah. it was all about confessing i mean he was doing exactly what james five sixteen says to confess your sins to one another as 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 brothers and sisters in christ mm-hmm. like he came to me he's like i'm just going to confess these things to you i always want to tell you my story and tell you uh just about how god has been so good to me even when i didn't deserve it and man that's the thing i i to me i'm like our, the church as a whole needs more of that like we we need more Absolutely. people who are just saying I, yeah. I, I'm a complete mess. And, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, uh, and God has yeah. preserved me and he's been taking care of me and he's blessed me in ways that I don't deserve. And, um, uh, and, and just leaning into that. I mean, man, what a, what a, what a fascinating conversation that was for me. Uh, anyway.
0: And wouldn't we, and, and wouldn't we feel free? Yeah. To ask? I mean, not to just like totally tie it in the circle. Yeah. I think as I'm listening to you, what what you're saying is there's a real freedom in being able to approach people openly like that but mm-hmm. we've placed we've placed these things within our culture um these these things on ourselves just as Ariel said that it's like once it's modeled for the, for these women and moms crossing it's like they're more open to do it with one another you know and i remember i remember in in our foundations class this semester you know, someone just said like why don't we do more of that? Like why is there not why is there not more authentic conversations about where we're all at? And and I think again it falls back to these two traps. You know, we want to maintain our image, we want to, you know, people to think highly of us. And I think I think these traps don't, you know, what Scott's not saying is that, you know, not to try to, you know, follow Christ faithfully and not try to live rightly and not try to do all these things, but it's that that there's a freedom in knowing that jesus has already paid the price for you that gives mm-hmm. you the openness that as we exist in community like you were saying chris we can we can tell each other about where we're really at we can, be, we can be honest with one another um, in, in, our, in our, the ways that we're not living out of the, uh, the identity that Christ has placed on us. Yeah,
1: I think you're exactly right. I mean, there's, it takes those two things that you talked about, the idea of having a new place, which is what you're saying, Mitch, this, this new position, this new status that we have before God. It also takes a power. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit for us to be able to do that as well. And what's amazing is God gives us both of those things by His grace, like those are those are things that he blesses us with. Let's let's look at the text um that we were dealing with in Romans eight. And we can kind of see uh from this what what uh what we're talking about. Um would someone let's just read the first part of this, Romans eight verses one through um let's just go one through five. One through mm-hmm. no one through four. One through four. <laughs> um would someone read that eight, one,
2: 1 through four. who walk not according to the flesh but according yeah. to the spirit. In,
1: in this passage we can see both of those things, right? We can see that new status. Absolutely. So there is n- therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um mm-hmm. does that mean we can regain that condemnation again? That's that's kind of the question. Can we come back can we ever come back to a place where there is oh, now there's condemnation again?
0: I mean I mean again Chris I think I think the answer and I think you're going we're going to say this a lot on this podcast cuz it's the point <laughs> it's the point of the message you know mm-hmm. the the answer is the fact that it's by the work of Christ Jesus yeah. and not the work of yourself you yes. know the why is the therefore therefore <laughs> yeah. you know you've heard that yeah. said said often uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like the therefore is stating that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus but why well, because for the law of the spirit, you know, for the law could not accomplish it, but Christ did. So it's it's all about Christ's accomplishment. It's not about our own. And so, mm-hmm. so like, I think, I think that's kind of what Paul's trying to get at is he's trying to express to people the freedom that they have been given in Christ, what's been placed on them.
2: I felt it really f- refreshing to hear Scott say that, you know, there are some of us who are walking in this thought that we're going to go back and forth and flip-flop like that. Um, And that's got to be so um, so burdening. You know, with just this this whole title of the series being free at last, I can't imagine just walking along thinking, okay, if I died right now, I have no idea if I would go um, to spend eternity in paradise because you know i'm out no of god's grace right now that's that that should be ridiculous for us to even fathom that that could be possible Absolutely. to go back and forth i mean i think like
1: it that. comes back i mean one mitch you, you said it earlier if 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 christ took the punishment for us then how could he punish us again how could he punish us again for 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 the same thing that would be unjust mm-hmm. of god mm-hmm. to punish christ for our sin and then to punish us for it because those sins are being punished twice. So that's one thing. And I think just a few verses later too, I mean, if you jump down to uh, in chapter eight, down to verse, um, let's see, verse 29. Look, look, Check this out. He says, for those whom he foreknew, uh, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, okay? And, it, but watch watch what he does here. And those he whom he called, he also justified and, or made righteous, right? And those whom he justified, mm-hmm. he also glorified. He doesn't say those who he predestined, some of those he called, and and some who he called, he also justified. And some and some who he justified, he glorified. It's all of them. It's all that 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 start the process, finish the process. And um and I, I just don't know how we get around that with a text like that. Uh, it's, it's just so clear to me. So, so for us, who may be struggling in this, in this, uh, this idea of, man, I just, um, I don't know if I'm going to make it. You know, I, I, I think I've been saved by His grace, but I, I, I feel like I'm going to fall out of that, and so I'm, I'm constantly working, and I'm constantly in fear of that. Um, listen. I think what we want to tell you is there there is no more fear of that anymore because there is therefore now no condemnation for you if you are in Christ Jesus.
0: And, and Chris, I say this to, like, whenever I'm in front of students, I feel like I say this almost every time. And this is really, like, a newer learning for me in the past two years. I think the wrestling that we're doing, we tend to, we tend to like, equate to something that has to do with a mm. lack of faith. So, like, oh, because I'm thinking, because I'm struggling, because I'm because I'm wrestling with my sin, we think that it has to do with a lack of our faith. But I mean I when I think about verse seven and it's like for the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God, it cannot submit to God's law. I I really think the wrestling says more about the fact that we are in Christ. You know, that we have a desire to yeah. do rightly <laughs> than it yeah. does that mm-hmm. we don't. So so the simple fact that you're wrestling with it likely says that you're 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 wrestling with your sin now why would you why would you wrestle with your sin you know if you didn't want to live in christ and so like for students they wrestle and they're like man i must not be a christ follower anymore and it's like no like because you're like having this internal struggle in your mind like, is because you're wrestling with how to be obedient to what God's called you to. And it's like, that's likely a mark of faith in my mind more than it has anything to do with uh, the That's exactly that you don't right.
1: Have I mean, faith. look at verse six uh, in, in Romans mm-hmm. eight. It, I mean, th- th- this is where this comes from. It says, For uh, to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Now, check this out. He says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It cannot submit to God's law is what it's talking about. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's what he says. So, so, so the person who is, just to what you're saying, Mitch, the person who, is not, who has not been redeemed and not been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, for that person, that person can't do anything to please God, can't submit to God's law, uh, is hostile to God is what it says. And so if we're in a place where it's like, no, I love God and I want to please him, well, then that's awesome. Because that, that probably means that you've been regenerated and that, and that God is doing that incredible work within you.
0: So, guys, I keep thinking about, you know, we keep talking about our standing in Christ. Um, but obviously, you know, we've, we've kind of addressed a little bit that there's still, you know, these as believers, we're still kind of wrestling with sin you know, and we're mm-hmm. still dealing with this. Can you guys like say something about that just to kind of have, yeah, like, sh- should we minds, not be, you know,
1: around, should we not be sinning? Be Cause through. Oh no, now we're Christians. We should never sin again. Right. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. I, I think, I think obviously it's mm-hmm. like we all deal with this and I think Paul's writing to a group of people that deal with this or why would he be writing it? But it's like, can you guys speak to that a little bit, you know, just how, how we can still, you know, yeah, totally. The ensign, <laughs> in the midst in the midst mm-hmm. of this standing we have, where there's no condemnation.
1: Uh, Ariel, what do you think?
2: Yeah, uh, well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna refer back to what Scott said because I really liked his analogy of the um, the man and wife and talking about how um, you know when a man sins against his wife or he he breaks her heart or does something against her, he's not necessarily breaking the law, um, so it doesn't change his status with the law and his justification of how like the law or government or society sees him, but it changes his status with, um, with his wife and his relationship Mm -hmm. with his wife. Um, and so what that means for me, if I'm to interpret that analogy, it makes me think, okay, when I sin in the flesh right now as a believer in Christ, I'm, I'm one with Christ, but if I'm still sinning because I still wrestle with the flesh, um, it doesn't change my status at all with the law because Christ has already fulfilled the law on my behalf. Um, but it does change the relationship. And so this ongoing sanctification process of us in our relationship with, um, with Christ is, is putting off the old self daily and, um, and continuing to try to, to, to walk in the newness of life that we've been given. Um, and it's all through grace. So, um, so I, I just try to think of it that way. I really appreciated that analogy because it, it helped me see the um, the difference between the, um, the the sin of the believer and the sin of of one who is dead in the flesh. Um, and still a slave to the law and slave to the world.
0: Absolutely. His analogies were spot on this
2: week. (laughs) Weren't they good? Yeah, yeah.
0: Both of them were actually, they were new to me. Oh, nice. Which is not like, you know, like I've worked in the church for 10 years. I, You know, they were both. I'm like, I don't think I've ever heard these (laughs) before. Like, they were really good. I I would echo what you said
1: there. Just going back to the text too, like verse 4, chapter 8, verse 4 of Romans. uh, You know, he's talking about this Mm -hmm. new status that we have. Um, and, but the, he answers the question, why he says in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. So I I asked myself, like, what does that mean? Like that the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us? Well, what's interesting is Paul answers this a couple chapters later in in Romans 13, eight, he says, um, this is part of this, this section of Romans where he's giving some instructions to them on how to live. And he says, oh, no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law, is what he says. So as we're fulfilling the law, what is he Mm -hmm. really getting to? He's saying, look, why did God do this? Why did he give us this grace? He says, no, he's giving us grace so that we might love one another, that we might actually live in the way that he's asking us Mm -hmm. to do this. Now, what Mm -hmm. happens from a theological perspective when we don't, um, we, we, you know, when we're still wrestling with sin, which we all are, uh, we, we all always wrestle with this. I think Paul makes it so clear in Romans seven that there's a tension that exists be, inside the Christian and it's a tension between the, our, our spirit, our heart that's been transformed. Right. But we, but we don't have our new body yet. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know, you know how in, in the new heavens and new earth, we're going to be raised and we're going to get a new body right now, our body still has sin in it, and so what Paul is getting to in Romans seven is this tension for the Christian, where and, and Scott talked about this on Sunday too, uh, that there's this tension between the, the 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 spirit of the Christian that just wants to please God, but then you have the flesh that has sin in it, and it's a constant wrestling, and that's what the end of Romans seven really gets to. And so if you're a Christian who is um, wanting to please God, but wrestling with the flesh, then let me tell you something, y- you're in good company <laughs> um, because that's what Paul's talking <laughs> about too. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, Mitch, you brought up this question of, you know, what if I'm a Christian and I'm wrestling with sin? Does that mean I'm not saved and all that stuff? So, and, and I think that's huge. But what about the the other side of that question? Because I think we're going to have some listeners who are going to say, well, are they saying that we don't have to do anything any good works, dude, that we don't have to um, obey God's commands to us, that we can just rest in the idea of grace, and uh, and God's just going to take us home one day, and we don't have to worry about it. We just keep on sinning. So, how do we respond to something like that? Is that is that the way that is that what Paul is saying here?
2: Well, the answer is obviously no. But let's put a name on what you just described there, um, and help everyone understand what antinomianism yeah. is. Can you just describe that a little bit and then we yeah, yeah and then we'll chat.
1: <laughs> So antinomianism uh, is yeah, that's this big theological term for what we're talking about, but it's just the idea that uh, li- literally it means no law. And it's the idea that uh, just what we're describing that um, uh, that grace um, is such where we don't we no longer have to obey any of God's commands. We don't have to we shouldn't even try to do anything right, do anything loving. We're just gonna sit back. Keep on sinning, keep on doing what we're doing, and one day God's just gonna take us home. um and it's a heresy, it's wrong. Um, <laughs> but
2: it's a heresy, yeah, and it's ridiculous because for the believer who is is changed um and given a heart of flesh, like then the whole reason is for relationship um and it just seems like a huge slap in the face to um to a God who has given us the best trade ever um and has changed us and so instead of walking in um transaction we have the opportunity to walk in relationship right relationship um and in pursuing that should be the whole the whole walk of the christian
0: absolutely yeah i think about the second point of scott's you know message again like my new power is the holy spirit you know and so verse two says you know For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Mm. So so it's like live in freedom, not freedom in the sense of go do whatever you want, because that's still living by the flesh. Like like like, like like the flesh then is what really is driving all your decisions in life, not the freedom that we have in Christ. And so it's like live by the power of the spirit in your every day. You know, Chris, I, I think I, it's so interesting, you know, you're talking about Romans 13 mm-hmm. earlier. And, and I, I was just thinking about, you know um, you know, the greatest commandment, you know, it's like to love the Lord, your God, you know, that's di- like what you said in Romans that's directly from Jesus's mouth, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so love the Lord, your God and love your neighbor, you know? And so it's like, this is how we show um, this is how we respond. This is what faithful living looks like in Christ. You know, Scott. He mm-hmm. reads John four thirty nine, where it, he's talking about the woman, um, the woman at the well. He says many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that he ever did, and so there's this living in Christ, um, living in response to what Christ has done. That is a fulfilling, um, beautiful life. Not fulfilling in the sense of fulfilling in the flesh. Yeah. You know, not like, but 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 a peace. That sur- the peace that goes beyond what we can experience mm-hmm. in the flesh, and so like it's mm-hmm. it's this it's it's moving our identity um beyond you know our immediate self beyond this world, but living under the kingdom of God, and so i I don't know for me, I think it's like like what Ariel's saying, I think is spot on it's like, why would you do that? yeah <laughs> like like you're yeah. missing it like like you're really like you're really missing it you know if you just say i'm going to receive this gift from christ but i'm going to do nothing with it and in fact like we're saying you're going to wrestle for the rest exactly. of your life like you're going to be mm-hmm. wrestling because the spirit's going to be working in you you know if if you're in christ and so
1: what a terrible place to be and so
0: i i just in
1: that where you're just stuck I in this just wrestling i yeah.
0: and again I, I i'm young but most people and i mean chris you were you were alluding to this earlier i'm having a conversation with a guy um Most people, we see this in seasons of their life, you know, when they're in Christ, but we don't see it over the long term. Like, like we don't see a lot of people that, you know, they're like, they claim to be a Christ follower. They walk in total disobedience for the rest of their days. (laughs) Like we we tend to see people leaning into their flesh and then they come to this realization that why am I not living in Christ and the promise that he has for me? And we see this incredible turnaround, which is, which is a great Mm -hmm. testimony. I, I don't. You either see, you know, people completely abandon the faith or you see people kind of like have seasons of obedience and disobedience in their life. I don't think you see a lot of people that are like, yes, I'm in Christ, but they're totally, you know, 100% disobedient for a long period of time.
1: Totally. I think kind of the way it might work is... is at least what the way that scripture is talking about this is, you know, we live from our heart. Like we live all the mm-hmm. time from, from whatever is in our heart. And so, you know, when we have a sinful heart, an unregenerated heart, we're living from that. And so what Paul talks about here is like, it's hostile to God. We cannot submit to God's law, um, you know, and that's what we're gonna be living out of all the time. Versus when God regenerates our heart, then we're gonna live out of that. And when God regenerates us, we're gonna want to love people. We're gonna want to love God. We're gonna want to, you know, pursue all of those things. And so, um, so just the fact that we're trying to love people and trying to love God, that actually becomes another evidence of God's salvation on our on our life, uh, which I think is so comforting. Um, I love what Augustine said about this. He said, um, "Love God, and do whatever you please." is what he said. He said, love God and do whatever you please. Because the idea with this is if you love God, if you've been regenerated and you love God, then what, what, what you please to do, what you want to do is going to be, is going to be right. (laughs) You know, you're going to, you're going to be living out of that, that place of, of, of just, uh, of, of your regenerated heart. Now, of course we talked about that before. They're still wrestling with the flesh, but he's saying, just live out of your your heart that's been transformed. Love God, love yeah. people.
0: So Chris, I, I think a great way, you know, to close us out today would even just be reading verse 12 through 14, you know, just kind of over us, <laughs> you know, as a reminder. I think that's when I read that mm. tone, that's how I see it is it's like, you know, Paul is, Paul is wanting um, the hearer, the reader to kind of Remind themselves of this truth over them.
2: So, this is Romans 8 12 through 14. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Amen.
1: Amen. That's so good. Hey, thanks for joining us this week on the Sunday recap. Uh, We're looking forward to the next part of this series, Free at Last, coming up on Sunday. Join us for a Facebook watch party. Uh, We would love to have you jump uh, jump on Facebook with us. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next time.